0: Welcome back to another episode of Sports Weekly. It's week two. I'm Tyler and with me as always is my cousin Austin. It's week two of college football. We got to experience week one in South Florida. It was a great weekend of college football. We got to go to Disney as well. A lot of fun.
1: Yeah absolutely. I mean I, we had a lot
0: going on. Yeah. I mean
1: I love, I love week one of college football. You've got games on thursday friday saturday and because the nfl hasn't started you're also taking over sunday and monday Mm -hmm. and there were just some great games on yeah it it was it was a fun week um like you said we were down in south florida but you know that didn't stop us from watching another another couple games from our phones or, or from wherever exactly yeah it was fun it was a great week um there's,
0: there's a lot of good games on, too. Yeah, and a lot of the good games had to do with BYU as well with future opponents, which is a lot of fun to watch as well. I mean, we were watching, I remember, during that rain, lightning, whatever you want to call it, delay, Yeah, we were watching the, the Oregon game as well as the Cincinnati-Arkansas game. Yep. And then, I mean, during the BYU game... Not, of course, in the beginning, but probably closer to halftime when it was getting a little more out of the way. We both pulled out our phones. I had the Notre Dame game up, and you had the Utah game on. Mm-hmm. We don't play Utah this year, but of course we have to watch that you game. You have
1: to hate watch. You have to hate watch your biggest rival like
0: that. Exactly.
1: And it's something like even even after the, the USF game, me and my family, we go to Chili's, and there's some other BYU fans, because it's right there by the stadium. Other BYU fans are sitting there with their phone, and they're watching the Utah-Florida game. Oh, because yeah. the biggest thing, like, you just want to hate watch them.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I told my cu- or not my cousin, you're my cousin. Yes, I, told I, my, I told my brother-in-law in Florida, because my, my brother-in-law that lives in Tampa with my wife's sister is a Utah fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I told him that sometimes I question whether I hate Utah more than I love BYU. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and sometimes it feels that way because of how excited I get whenever Utah loses. Oh. It's like, I don't even get get like this sometimes when BYU wins. Yeah. But, when, but, but whenever they threw that pick and Florida went, ended up winning that game, I told you, I was slamming the roof of my right, rental right, car. Right, right. And I was scaring Kennedy, thinking I'm going to wreck. But that's just how important <laughs> it was that the Utes lost.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, like I said, we were at Chili's. And you heard a couple groups in that restaurant. Because like, we had a group next to us in the in the bar area. But we had another another group that was just off in some table in a corner, and you heard audible yes right when he <laughs> threw that pick. I mean, it was incredible, and yeah. and you know it's it's just it's funny how much rivalries mean. Even though those guys have tried to write off this
0: rivalry for years, oh, of course. I know
1: that they're feeling the same way when BYU can choke a loss like that.
0: Yeah, you're telling me that everybody up in Salt Lake City this weekend isn't going to want BYU to lose to Baylor, right? absolutely
1: and they're going to watch the game because you got Utah SUU but then you got BYU Baylor and it's like yeah we're hoping that BYU can get their hopes up and then get them crushed i guarantee that a lot of utah fans are doing that
0: yeah the way they describe the rivalry it wouldn't matter to them whether BYU won or lost but right. that's that's just the way they like to act but yeah there was a lot of good games and a lot of the games that Pertaining to BYU, I mean, we can go over those ones first. What's What's the first one we have yeah, up so, here? Yeah, uh, so you
1: had Notre Dame taking on Ohio State. Yeah. I was really impressed with Notre Dame, honestly. Um, I think Ohio State is, it, just based on how they ended last year, I thought they were going to be a lot better this year. Um, yeah, I know you lose Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, but it's not like they have any slouches at, at wide receiver. Right. And C.J. Stroud, I think... He's the current favorite to win the Heisman, if I remember right. Um, and so I thought, honestly, them playing in the shoe, I thought Ohio State was going to come out and just take care of business against Notre Dame, who has a new quarterback, new head coach. But Notre Dame hung with them. They, they were leading for a lot of the game. I mean, right. it was, they were honestly a pretty, it was a pretty impressive showing from them.
0: Yeah, and so I was curious about that, and so I asked my, my co-host of my other podcast, Around the 412, he's an Ohio State fan. And so I asked him, like, what did he think? Did he think that Notre Dame, like, looked really good? Or did Ohio State look bad? Mm-hmm. And, or, or both? And he said it was a little bit of both. Sure. But he, he basically said it was, like, one of those games where Notre Dame did a lot of things right. And Ohio State pretty much did almost everything wrong. Mm-hmm. And they were still able to win by two scores. Right. And, then, and I think that's credit to how good Ohio State is. Sure. But Absolutely. I'm also not going to take that away from Notre Dame. I, I was expecting Ohio State to win by probably a significant more larger margin in this game. The one thing he said, though, was that no, and it was just curious to me, is that Notre Dame had struggled running the football, mm-hmm. and their defense at times uh, looked like they were struggling in the secondary. Okay. Um, so I don't know what that means for BYU in five weeks, but I know that at least the running the football part – BYU has shown in the past that especially towards that midseason if we get some injuries that stopping the run is going to be a hard thing to do and so I don't know Mm -hmm. if we're going to be able to do it like Ohio State did in week one but we'll see but I, I I don't know what this means for Notre Dame moving forward whether I think that they are still like a top 10 team or not but and that's kind of like what I said last week. Like, Notre Dame is always one of those teams preseason. I have no idea how good they actually are. It's right. just because they're Notre Dame, they're going to be a top five to ten team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the prowess that they bring now. It's something that they've cultivated over years and years and and yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Honestly, it's going to be interesting to see what they will actually be able to do when they get into the mid season. Because you got to imagine they're going to improve, especially after playing Ohio State. I can't remember who they play this week, but you got to imagine they're just going to steadily improve over the season as they get a little more settled in that new system. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we had Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oregon, um, played Georgia. And hey, Bo Nix knows how to throw the SEC guys. I they tell do you what, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, He's awfully good at throwing to SEC players. Yeah, uh, it's like I mean, a pastime of his. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it was. I mean, one thing Georgia showed that, like, yeah, we had some guys graduate and or not graduate. We had some guys drafted and and go to the NFL. Our defense is still going to kick. You know, we're still we're still going to make sure that 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 you guys aren't going to score much on us. And Stetson Bennett just picked up where he left off. Yeah, like they they looked incredible
0: yeah and that's it's it was one of those things watching the game it's like i know george is good right but like are they really like this good compared to like oregon's or is, oregon, like oregon, is, oregon, or is with oregon that new just,
1: system is are they that bad
0: right and because we talked about it last week too oregon is always known for kind of just electric offense that's that's what what's kind of built their brand in college football over the last mm-hmm. 15 to 20 years and with what i saw on last week's game it doesn't look like they have much of an offense at all. I mean, Bo Nix threw two interceptions. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's going to be really changing that much going from Auburn to Oregon. But then again, I don't know how much stock to put into the game because that is by far and away the best team that Oregon is going to play all year long. Yep. And... How good is that defense compared to every other defense on Oregon's schedule? I mean, it's miles ahead. Yeah. So, I don't know how much stock to put into it, but they look terrible. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: And, and even I, – I, I still think that against, like, Pac-12 competition and everything, Oregon's defense will probably look better than they did against Georgia's offense. Absolutely. I mean, you just don't have the, the same caliber of offense like you're well, going to get.
1: Especially in the Pac-12 North. I mean, right. you got Washington State, Oregon State, Washington, or, yeah. um, Stanford, and Cal. And – it's not like they're going to be facing a t- like they're, they're. I think they're a lock for the Pac-12 championship.
0: Yeah, but they're not playing like you. You don't have to go against like Utah and USC, right? Like, like the other the South does. So I
1: actually I, I think they do take on Utah this year. Oh, do they? Yeah, I think it's in is it in Salt Lake? I don't know. I'd have to look at it. Maybe they're playing. No, they're playing up in Otson.
0: Okay, I know they played last year too because they played them two, two weeks twice. in a row. Yeah, yeah. they played them. Played them twice
1: in the Pac-12 championship and everything like that. You know, I wonder if Oregon's going to have kind of an opposite year of last year. Where last year they started, I think they started at the shoe, playing Ohio State. Yeah, and they won. And somehow knocked them off. Like, and it was a huge shock. But then, towards the end of the year, they just, they, they didn't look like the same team that went into the horseshoe. No. Like, it, it, it's weird to me how much they struggled. Late in the season, and I don't know if it was just like, no, we got our big win, like we can kind of relax off the rest of the season, and I don't know if I'm I'm hoping that this doesn't light a fire under that that team, especially because they do have a tune-up game before BYU and playing Eastern Washington, right? Like I just I I don't know I don't know what to make of it. Um, uh, yeah, like you said, are they that bad or was was Bonics that bad?
0: I mean, probably, but. You never know. <laughs> well, we'll find out, I guess. All right.
1: Um, moving along, we got Cincinnati at Arkansas. That game was interesting. I don't think Arkansas looked as good as they can be. Um, I also think people are underestimating how good Cincinnati is. I know they lost Ritter, but they didn't lose the system. Yeah,
0: yeah. That that is that is. 100 percent attribute to their coaching staff absolutely i i think that them being ranked where they were was honestly probably generous just because of the coaching staff like yeah. that that is the only reason they were at that because besides that based off of their returning productions they had no reason being at that even though they were in the college football playoff last yeah. year everybody that brought them there besides coaching staff is gone
1: well they're not the same as a as an alabama and ohio state or or a georgia where they just reload with four and five stars and and go, run it back, you know, like they don't have that same, that same talent just sitting around as their second stringers right? from the previous year. And especially losing a guy as good as I think Desmond Ritter was, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just fascinating to, to see how well they played against a, a young and up and coming team in, in Arkansas. But like I said, I also don't think Arkansas played as well as they're capable
0: of. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that will happen. It's the first week of the season, so mm-hmm. they'll definitely improve moving forward. But I think as far as the, just the game goes, it was an entertaining game. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was back and forth, like going close the whole time. So that was one of the games that we got to watch during the break, our, yep, our, our two-hour nice delay,
1: lightning delay. That was fun. All right, um, I've also got Utah State and Alabama. Um,
0: you know, it's it's really generous that uh, yeah that Alabama would pick the FCS team from Logan to go be go be the opening game.
1: Well, if this if this showed anything to me, if Utah State really is towards the top of the Mountain West, I mean, the SEC How is far on ahead? a completely different level. Yeah. I mean, it's you you look at the reason I think the Georgia, I'm going back to that game for a second. The reason I think that win is more impressive than what Alabama did is the level of competition. Right. I don't think Oregon played well in that game at all, but Utah State can't even... You can't put any points on the board, especially when <laughs> Alabama gets to play all of their quarterbacks.
0: That's, that's that's a good point.
1: I mean, 55 to nothing, and you couldn't put something together in the fourth quarter?
0: Hey, to be fair, everybody that they're playing in the fourth quarter is also four- and five-star recruits. I, mean, <laughs> I, I did just make that point. That's yeah. true. But, like... Utah State might have what two four star recruits? Maybe. Uh, yeah,
1: I don't know. I don't know if they're uh, if they have any. Right, and if anything, I think if they're coming in, it's through it's through transfers. I don't right. think that Utah State gets as much pull for four stars. Yeah, I think probably not. I think high rated three stars are, are huge for them. But yeah, that that game, I didn't I didn't even watch a second of it. Um, in our college pick 'em, I picked Bama and I had zero doubt, especially after watching what Utah State did against UConn and how all the Aggie fans were spinning it, just be like, oh, yeah, Luke Bonner showed that he's got the grit that even though the rest of the team was playing bad, he can do it. You know? <laughs> Screw that narrative. <laughs> like, honestly, you're going down to Tuscaloosa and playing Alabama, and you honestly think that you're going you're gonna to hang in it better than, than what actually happened? There's no way. I saw thirty eight and a half, and I thought that was, I thought I thought it was fair, but I took Bama in that a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and you know, before the game against uh, who did they play Week One? UConn. Well, before the week game zero Mike. or Week Zero, Week Zero. Sorry, before that game, I thought okay, thirty eight and a half. Maybe I do take Utah State because I know Alabama has had a tendency to not make a game close but basically in the first like week or two of the season have a game where Nick Saban gets pissed after it right. because they didn't cover like they should have and they shouldn't they didn't play to their caliber and I was like maybe that could happen with Utah State and then I watched that game against Yukon like there's no absolutely no way I mean they they're they're winning this game by 40 plus so it absolutely taking Alabama so like BYU's not Alabama but I mean the week zero showing and then this showing, it makes me not even really worried about when we play Utah State.
1: Especially being able to play them in Lavelle. Yeah. Like, zero worry behind that game now. Yeah. Like, Utah State normally gives me a little bit of pause just because it is a rivalry game. And that's, that's one thing that BYU fans, you know, are reluctant to actually say. But it is a rivalry game. I hope we never have to play this. Are, are rivalry. we?
0: Are we the Utah in that
1: rivalry? Sort of. Are um, we? Are we Utah fans? I hope we never have to play them again. Honestly. Um, oh really? I I I think Aggie fans are ridiculous. Um, like, I I don't know I I don't know how else to describe it other than than I I think their claims are just outlandish. So if you had your choice,
0: so say like in the Big Twelve, we're we're playing a nine-conference game schedule. Sure. And then say, just throw in, like, we're playing Utah every year at that point. Sure. If you get the chance... Not, assume,
1: not, so, before you move on, is that assuming that Utah is in the Big 12, so that counts as a conference game?
0: Oh, I wasn't even, No, okay, I so count it saying, as a non-conference game. You're saying game. non-conference game. Non-conference game. Okay. So, you have two games left. Yeah. And I would assume you'd, one of those would probably be an FCS school. Absolutely. And so then cupcake. a G5 school. Yeah. Occasionally, you probably... like. Uh, BYU would probably want to play like either the Boise State or Utah State. Would you rather play Boise State or would you rather play Utah State?
1: See, that's that's a, that's a good question.
0: Um I think it, it, it. cuz obviously obviously like the streak of playing these teams every year is going to go away. Right. But I feel like BYU and Utah or Utah State and then Boise State have grown up like this rapport, especially Utah State for how long they've been playing. Yeah. And um, eventually they'll occasionally play. So
1: yeah, I mean, I I hope it's not, like, super often. I'd like them to spread the wealth. I I honestly, I miss some of the old Mountain West games. Um, some of the games I miss are, like, I, I loved going to Air Force games, Colorado State games, UNLV. Like, I'd love for them to spread the wealth a little bit that way. But if we're talking about just Utah State and Boise State, there's, the Boise State always scares me. Right. But I also think they have a better potential to, and the season in a way that helps BYU more,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whereas Utah State, uh, you know, if they put together a couple of good seasons, Blake Anderson's not sticking around. Yeah, no chance. For sure. That's that's a feeder school for for coaches, you know, because I just I I don't see I don't see wanting to stick around there. And you look at Gary Anderson. He went to Wisconsin.
0: You don't love living in Ogden.
1: Yeah, Ogden, (laughs) Logan, wherever you have to live for that place. No, thank you. But like, you had Gary Anderson who went to Wisconsin, and you had Matt Wells who went to Texas Tech. As soon as they got a P five offer, they were gone. Right. They didn't want to be back. Yeah, and that's a smart move. And then Gary Anderson somehow found his way back there, and then and then he was out. You know, I think at that point. He just like everything's kind of beyond repair. You don't want to have him in there anymore. He's because he's used to coaching in P5, and, and that's just not the type of, of of system that I think works at Utah State. I think Utah State is always a G5. Um, so th- that being said, I I I do prefer to play Boise. Um, I know it's a riskier game on the schedule, but that can also turn out a higher reward from it.
0: Yeah. But also being in the conference, your out of conference schedule isn't as much of a risk anymore for BYU moving forward. Because I mean, every game is an out of conference game for the past decade. Right. But if we have always known, if BYU loses one game, they're basically playing for nothing at, at the, like that rate. Great. Right. That's basically how my dad explained independence. Whenever we were going in independence, is like you can't lose a game. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> your season means nothing. Right. And that's, that's right. probably why he's become a bitter fan. But <laughs> it could be. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a good game down in Tuscaloosa for the Aggies. No. All right, and then the last one of note uh, that I wrote down was Boise State at
1: or Oregon State.
0: That was surprising to me. Oh yeah, absolutely. because I, I've always, I mean, I don't know if Oregon State has is getting like getting an uptick this year or what, but I've always known like Oregon State sucks, and so Boise State should have beat them. But the fact that they were able to beat them by a couple scores and then Hake Bachmeyer gets benched. Like what is happening in Boise?
1: Oh, I know. Well he throws two picks, so he completed a total of six passes, two to the other team. He was four of eight oh, yeah. with two picks for thirty yards. I love this- I love that t- those This those count as completed passes. <laughs> right. Well I I call it, you know, it it would be six of six of ten if it were me. But the that that four of eight this is a four-star quarterback this was a huge deal when he went to Boise
0: yeah
1: and he had a, he had a good freshman year but like he hasn't impressed me I mean even even against BYU if you take away uh, what was the name of their their wide receiver Khalil Shakur yeah you take away him from that BYU game I don't think they win it there's a couple plays that Shakir made that it's just like, okay, yeah, no, this guy, this guy's the real deal. Like, yeah. this guy's going to the league. But yep. it's not like Bachmeyer, like, he just kind of hucked it up there and said, hey, go get this.
0: He's down here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> just throw it to him.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, it's it's amazing the fact that they weren't able to, to keep it together.
0: Yeah. Taylor Green is the guy who came in in relief. Yeah. Never heard of that guy. Nope. I wonder if he's going to be the guy when we play him. Well, their if, former
1: their former quarterback, like their former backup quarterback, is now at BYU and Cade Finnegan.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I I wonder how much they wish they had him now. Yeah, I mean they had a they had a good running or, or no that was a that was the quarterback Taylen Green rushed for one hundred and two yards and two touchdowns. He must be a dual threat. It probably, because huh. the other rushing stats are... Or they just played Wildcat the entire game. <laughs> 13 carries for 9 yards, 4 carries for 16 yards, 1 carry for 5 yards. I mean, and Hank Bachmeyer was 2 carries for negative 6 yards. I, I I think that was pretty nuts, honestly, for me. Because, I like I said, Oregon State, to me, has always been a bad team. And yep. they've... Even against G5s, but a G5 like Boise State, I would just expect Boise State to win. Right. So... That, that was an odd game.
1: Yeah. So as far as, like, games of note for future opponents, those are the ones that I had written down. Um, other games of note that happened, um, that LSU-Florida State game on Sunday night, I mean, that was incredible. After the LSU guy muffs two punts, yeah. and they somehow come up with the ball. They force a fumble on the one-yard line, and they drive down and they score. And it's just like, wow, all right, here comes overtime. And they blow up the PAT.
0: They blew it. Yeah. And, and honestly, that that's that made the game great. I mean, either way, it would have been great whether it went to overtime or not. Right. But I think the way it ended was just such a, a fun thing to happen. And, and the great meme of, of uh, what's his name? Who's the Notre Dame coach that went down there? Uh, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. He, the, the meme of him whenever he went to announce that he was going to LSU of him holding up an L. People were just saying, <laughs> <laughs> saying like hold the L. Uh, it was great, but yeah, that was a lot of that was a lot of fun to watch that game.
1: Yeah, uh, that one was fun. Um, Virginia Tech, Old Dominion, Old Dominion gets their second win over a P five team, and the other one was against Virginia Tech. I mean, how
0: how the mighty have fallen? Where is this Virginia Tech program at right now? Oh, I know. Well, Vir- what's
1: what's crazy to me is. How did they schedule something where Virginia Tech had to go play
0: at, at Old Dominion? Dominion.
1: <laughs> how on earth did you did did Old Dominion work that out? I have no idea.
0: No idea. That that's crazy. But yeah, I I have a friend that's a a Virginia Tech alum and he was just basically speechless about what he was watching. Right. Like how how is this the state of the program right now? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was yeah, really funny to What's see. funny
1: is Virginia going to a Virginia Tech game in, at Virginia Tech is on my bucket list. Like yeah. Having them blast enter Sandman. Like I want to be part of that atmosphere. Right. Maybe tickets are cheap now.
0: This is maybe, great. Maybe, this this could are. be good news.
1: <laughs> Honestly. All right, another game, um, North Carolina App State. Oh, my goodness.
0: What a roller coaster of a game. I didn't even know about the game until you told me. Yeah, I told when you we were waiting delay. for the game. Yeah. I mean, and then the fact all the highlights that, happened while we were watching.
1: Yeah. I mean, the fact that, that App State starts getting up big and it's like, oh, man, North Carolina's not going to be able to hang with them. Then North Carolina gets up and ties it, and then they get up big. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, there it is. Game over. And then App State scores six touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That's
0: When you said that, I like couldn't believe it, honestly. Yeah. Six touchdowns for any level of competition of football is basically like unheard of in a quarter. So that was crazy. And they they, they were clawing back and got so close. I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I would have rather have App State won. Not only just because it's like they would have beat the P5 team, sure. been an upset, but just to see the comeback actually be fulfilled, that would be awesome.
1: Well, and especially the way they were doing it. I mean, the fact that they they score the touchdown, they're a they're point after from tying it up and potentially going to overtime, and they go for two. I, I love the call. Yeah. Go for two, go for the win. They don't, they don't convert. They kick the onside, and the North Carolina defender grabs the ball and runs it in for a touchdown, <laughs> not realizing, well, hey, you know, they're gonna, we're only going to be up eight after the PAT now. App State can come down and score and tie this game up still. And what did App State do? They got the ball and they just drove down the field. And then they go for two trying to trying to get the tie. Not able to do it. I mean, like I said, a roller coaster of a game. Very fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. Alright, and then the last game of note that I think both of us were very happy to see happen was Utah in the swamp against the Florida Gators.
0: Yeah, and what makes it even better is then two days later, I got to fly back with a bunch of Utah fans on my flight, <laughs> so it was it was a lot of fun because I was sitting there happy in my seat. I wasn't I wasn't bragging or anything. Absolutely, I was very composed. Absolutely, but I could just tell that there was a little bit different atmosphere on that flight.
1: Oh yeah, well even so, on our flight because we flew back on Sunday, tons of Utah fans around us, and there is just a weird kind of tension. The like all of us BYU fans, we're just sitting there like, I'm feeling good. This was great, and all these Utah fans are just like, if I didn't go to Disney World, this trip would have been a complete waste. There's <laughs> 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 was something like that that's just hilarious to me. And you know, I don't know if you saw the jump that Florida got in the AP poll. I did. Yeah, all the way up to twelve. Yeah, I I do. I don't know that twelve is deserved. But I do think that they are a good team. I think Billy Napier is actually the guy that can put them together.
0: Well, and here's the problem, I think, is I think that Utah was overranked. Absolutely. And so they were going to fall. But because they were ranked so high at the start, you had to put Florida ahead of Utah. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what the voters said. Is like, we're going to drop Utah a significant amount. I mean, they dropped to 13. Mm -hmm. But we have to put Florida above Utah because how do you not? Mm Mm-hmm. So, honestly, that's probably just a fault of where Utah was ranked preseason. If they were in the teens or, like, the 12-13 the, like range, it probably wouldn't have been as significant of a jump for Florida. But I think that's just because of the preseason voting. But, yeah, that, that, was, that was such a fun game. I mean, we mentioned it earlier. I was slapping the roof of my car whenever right. they, they right. came rising through the pick. And it, it's so funny because I heard Utah fans on my flight, too, like already making excuses as to why they, they should have won the game.
1: Well, I mean, you got those Utah fans that are going out there saying, hey, we hung with them. We hung with them. It's like, yeah, you hung with an unranked team. You hung with a like, team you were favored to beat. Yeah, like you were supposed to go to the Swamp and beat these guys. This was supposed to be Cam Rising's coming out party as like, I am the guy, I am the dark horse for Heisman. And don't get me wrong, I think Cam Rising, or Cam Rising is an above-average quarterback, but he's not as good as they were touting. Honestly, if he doesn't have his legs, I think he's an that, average thrower.
0: That's what I was gonna say. Is one of his best attributes is that he can run for you when he needs to.
1: Right. He's that. not. He's not. I don't think he's like a Jaron Hall type where it's like you were known as a dual threat. But he's the type of guy that, if there's a green in front of him, he's like, yeah, I'll take this.
0: I can take this all day. Mm-hmm. And we saw that on the final drive. Yep. And then he threw the pick.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> what was what? You know. The play that I think was the most amazing to me in that game was the two point conversion.
0: Oh yeah, for for Florida, I, I watched it and I have no idea how he held onto the ball when he spun. Oh, I know.
1: Well, he's pump faking and spinning at the same time, <laughs> and the Utah defender is kind of biting on the pump fake, and so he kind of just spins off of him. The other defender that was running at him just freezes, and I love. The amount of swag. That guy sitting in the corner of the end zone, a la McKay Jacobson, 2009 Oklahoma. Yeah. But just casually just, I mean, didn't even, doesn't jump, doesn't do anything. It is right on the money, right Catch, on his hands. tuck.
0: Boom. And he was just like, there it is. We're up three. That's, yeah. I, I, tw- I, I quote tweeted a, a replay of that because I just couldn't believe it watching it over and over again. I said, this is one of the most memori- mesmerizing Plays I think I've ever seen in college football.
1: Honestly, it reminds me... It was Cam Newton-esque.
0: Yeah. And you know, and it was... It, it, I, I, like, I sat there and I was just like...
1: Because, you know, watching it live, you can't just go back and be like, can I replay this over and right, over? Right. It's like, did I just witness what my eyes tell me I just witnessed? Like, yeah. did I actually the see fact this that guy I, pump fake, spin... Work his way out a little bit and just find a guy just sitting in the corner.
0: Yeah, and I'm watching it right now. And the fact that I was able to like, watch it over and over again, I still can't believe that that's what he was able to do. And like you said, it was supposed to be Cam Rising's coming out party. It was more so Anthony Richardson's coming oh, out party. Yeah. I mean, that really like, showed like, his skill level and what he yeah. can do.
1: And I, I, you know, I like Billy Napier. I hope he can put it together at Florida. I normally don't like Florida coaches. I, I, I hate Urban Meyer. I'm not a huge fan of Dan Mullen, but I like what he was doing down at Louisiana. I love what he's doing now. Yeah. I, I would love to see Florida, I would love to see them back to some sort of level.
0: Yeah. You well, know, I like, hope they the get there because is, they're going to play in Salt Lake City next year.
1: That's true. That's true. <laughs> but no, you no, know, that, was, that was a really, you know, it was a really fun game to watch, not just because the Utes lost, but because it was entertaining.
0: Yeah. I It mean, was a great game even, to watch. Even if Utah would have won, I still would have liked watching that game. Mm-hmm. It was back and forth very entertaining. Like, if Cam Rising would have thrown a touchdown instead of pick, I mean, I still would have been ticked. Right. But at the same time, that was a fun game to watch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Also, did you notice the Utah kicker, 30 years old? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess if you have your eligibility, you should use it. Absolutely. But he's 30 <laughs> years
1: old. I think he's from England. And it, it's like I was when he when he went trotting out there. One, I didn't know what happened to Skylar Southam. Didn't realize he's no longer with the program. He's moved on from football, doing his okay. own thing now. Because I thought for sure I was like, oh, Southam's probably got the job now. Uh huh. No, he's he's moved on. But yeah, this thirty-year-old trotting out there, dude, was money for for the Utes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like you said, if you've got eligibility, might as well use it. I guess. All right, and then the most important game that, that happened this last weekend, the BYU-Southern Florida game.
0: Finally kicked off around like 6.15. Yep. Yeah,
1: no, I remember. Well, if you go on Twitter, you can see Mitch Harper was tweeting out pictures of everyone huddled under everything, like under the, under the stadium. Um, and then we were actually featured in a picture that someone replied on that tweet. Um, and that just, tweet was featured in an article on Deseret News. It was News. on Deseret News, so my face is right there. Uh, not a flattering look for me, but <laughs> um, but I mean, we were huddled on there for forever. Yeah, like we were showing up because w- me and my brother decided to try to go on one last ride at Disney World that morning. We thought, oh no, we're gonna be late. Like we're gonna be late for kickoff. It'll be the first kickoff I've I've missed for a long time, but. Oh well, things happen. No, we were we were just pulling to the stadium and I got the text from you saying, Well, they're making us get out of our seats. We're <laughs> huddling up under the bleachers, like we're yeah. just gonna wait this out. Game was supposed to kick off at four, kicked off around six thirty.
0: Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah, but I mean they came out in a big way no matter what. Oh yeah. It didn't matter what time it was. Oh yeah. It, it was a great start from BYU. I spent the first play from scrimmage. I can't think of a better play, that Puka Nakua touchdown, to the first play on offense from a season. Can you think of a better play in our lifetime to open a season? To I, open a season, um, I can't necessarily
1: think of one. To open a game, I can think of a couple. Well, that's uh, the thing.
0: To open a game, there's some. But like a, just the first play of a season, that's... I can't really think of much that like you score on a seventy five yard jet sweep so touchdown.
1: Right. Um yeah, I can't I can't think of anything to like start a season, but but yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. I saw he was featured as like the fourth fastest run. Um yeah, it was like 20 and a half miles per hour. Yeah. And man, he he showed that hey, if we don't have a sure running back, I'll take the reins if I need to. <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah no. I, I we were saying like I have to alter my uh, Puka prediction for like receiving yards and like all-purpose yards. Right. right. Yeah. Because 1500 all-purpose yards. Didn't didn't said? know he was going to be doing that much running, to be honest. <laughs> well, I mean he
1: he had what 80 he had 80 yards and two touchdowns. Uh huh. And then he had the five-yard loss, and so it was, ended up being a 25-yard average. Yeah. Off of his runs. Not too shabby. Yeah, which he ended up getting hurt on that. On that third one, um, which is a little bit of a bummer, but um, I, I it was I mean we we're sitting in that end zone.
0: Yeah, it was right in front of us.
1: Puka comes sprinting down, and then they have the other you know the the handoff to Puka. He takes it to the other corner, mm-hmm. and then that pick six from Max Tooley. Yeah, again, right in front of us. I mean, we were up twenty-one nothing before we were halfway done in the first quarter. Yeah, it felt so good it did as a fan
0: there and not only just as a fan but I guess for me personally and maybe you feel the same way like not that I wasn't confident going to this game I knew BYU should win sure but like I thought the game was going to be way closer than it ended up being but especially like off the jump I thought okay there's probably going to be a little bit of rust we're gonna have to work this out throughout the game but immediately just go up like 21 nothing then 28 nothing and you just keep it moving Mm -hmm. I didn't expect that from the team at all and that and that's not me trying to slight them I just thought it's the first game of the season you're on the road you just had a two-hour delay as well how was that going to affect the game but for them to come out like that it was awesome yeah absolutely I mean your wife turned to
1: us and said you know what what's your score prediction I guess 28 to 32 I was like yeah I think it's gonna be kind of a weird game I don't know and then yeah they they came out and uh, I, I I ate my words as far as my score prediction. Right. To hang 50 on them on the road like that. It was great.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I, too, my score prediction, I, I think I predicted it was like 27 to 23, like just yeah. a flip of 2019. Yeah. And uh, it was so funny when Kennedy turned to me, and I don't know if it was after the 21 to nothing or 28 to nothing. She just, like, looked at me and was like, are you happy? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you think? Yeah. No,
1: my wife. She did the same thing. She just goes, "You look happy." And I was like, "I am happy." <laughs> like, I mean, it was it. It felt so good not having to stress out
0: about a game. Yeah. You and know, I feel like as a BYU fan, we stress out about a lot of games.
1: Right. Well, and I I turned to you at one point during the first quarter, and I was like, "Man, don't you you think they're they're wishing they had Timmy McLean right now? At least have someone who was such a good runner."
0: Yeah. Honestly, and like I know uh like I thought that Jerry Bohannon or Gary Bohannon or whatever his first name is, Gary. Gary, was going to be a better passer than he was in that game, and I mean throughout the season he might be, but I was really not impressed, and you kind of call it on our, our first week of so yeah. like there's there's not really much that he was doing right, right, and so there was there was really no threat to the game whatsoever, right. No, it didn't even seem like BYU's defense had to be that great right. to keep the game within, like, a winning distance. So. Well, that
1: whole first half, I don't think that he threw a, a a pass more than five yards. I mean, it was all dink and dump stuff, yeah. all that first half. It wasn't until the second half that I think BYU kind of started easing up. That's one thing I did want to mention. Um, I would love it if Kalani would keep his foot on people's throats a little bit longer sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um I I I I think I think BYU could have. He has too much sportsmanship. Right. Like. Well, and, and don't get me wrong. I like that in a
0: coach. I like that too. Like, I like that he'll take a knee inside the five yard line. Yeah. At the end of I the like, game. I
1: like that, but I want that in the fourth quarter. I don't want that in the third quarter.
0: Yeah. You, you should have got to fifty in the third quarter.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I I I, I want to see them. I want to see them show dominance through three quarters. And then lay off and saying like, "Yeah, we could do this in the fourth quarter to you. We're not going to."
0: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. If they were up like fifty to nothing in the first half, that's to me that's a totally different story. Different. Yep. But not th- not that the game was really in reach, but like you know, like you're saying, like you want to show like what you're what you can do throughout most of the game.
1: Well, with how quick something like something like a, a kick return can flip the momentum.
0: Oh, don't even get me started on that. That's another <laughs> thing I actually wanted to talk about. Is oh that... well,
1: like so let's let's give some quick grades. So okay. uh, I'll leave I'll leave the special teams for our last one because that's right. something we're gonna both want to talk about a little bit. Offense, what do you give? What what grade are you giving them?
0: Um, I I it's hard for me to not give them an A. I'll give them maybe an A minus. I don't I don't know what I could. I'll I'll say A minus because Jaron threw a pick. Sure. Um. But besides that, I mean, Chris Brooks looks great. I I, I am totally happy with him as our running back moving forward. Lopena did his thing. And I I think that one thing that we saw from the passing game as well is that BYU really spread the ball out. So they were talking all all offseason how deep this wide receiver core is, and it was kind of advertised how many guys they trust to throw the ball to. Yeah. I mean, Cody Epps was the leading receiver, and he's not even in your top three receivers on the depth chart.
1: Was Epps the leading
0: receiver? I, mm-hmm. I thought it was Roberts. Yardage-wise, it was Roberts, but reception-wise, oh, okay. it was gotcha, Epps. Gotcha, he had four. Gotcha. So, yeah. yes, but even both those guys. yeah, Neither of those guys no, are absolutely. in, the, t- are in the, top the top three on your depth chart. So, I, I think that's that just goes to show how deep this team actually could be. And then, yeah, I, I think that Jaron had a great game. Like, the pick, you want to get that back, but mm-hmm. ultimately – it led to uh, safety and then a touchdown. So, honestly, it was kind of 200 IQ by Jaron to just get more points. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it was. I'm yeah. sure he was he, like, he you know what? what he
1: was doing? I would rather them get demoralized by a safety.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, as far as the grade goes, offensively, hard for me to give them really anything less than an A-. minus.
1: Yeah, um, uh, not as hard for me. I'm going to give them a B B+. Uh, the reason I am, I, I, I like what you're saying. I love all, how they spread the ball out. Yeah, you take you take away some for the pick. But I think it it took him a bit to to figure out the run. We yep. had we we ran the jet sweep and Peeny, I mean that first half Peeny played, played great. Mm-hmm. But Chris Brooks it took him a while to kind of get going. Second half once he got going, he was good. I I I I agree with you that he's a big guy, but he's got sneaky speed. Yeah, like he outran those guys on on his fifty yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. But I think it it kind of took him, and I don't know if it's just like game experience with this offensive line, but it, there were a couple times that he was he'd get the ball handed off and he was swarmed immediately, and it's just I I I, I would have liked to see a, a little bit better initial run. That being said, they did pick it up in yeah. the second half, so that's
0: why I probably give them a B plus. Okay. So defensively, I mean, they gave they only gave up two scores, even though there was 21 points on the board because one of them was a, a kickoff return. We'll get to it. So, <laughs> as far as the defense goes, I'll probably give them. I, it's tough too because it's like how how much do I put the blame on like BYU letting off the gas sure. on the defensive players? Sure. But I'll probably give them like it's just a solid B. Mm-hmm. I think they could have done better. Um, overall, like I, I think toward in the second half, especially like they were definitely giving up more chunk plays. I feel like the first half it, there was a lot of just basically bend but don't break, but not even on drives, just like three and outs. Like, we're yeah. not going to give up this first down. Yeah, I, I mean, how many times in the first half do we even hear the first down call from the announcer in the stadium? Like, twice. Yeah. So, first half defense, I'd give them an A, but sure. <laughs> I, I think overall, on the on the the game, I'd probably give them a B, knowing that, and uh, not that it's—I could blame it on the players, but it, it's—I would like them to still perform better in the second half. Um, but as far as like the game goes, I feel like it is hard mentally to like really dominate the opponent when you're up by like 40 at that point. Absolutely. So I don't know.
1: I'll give them a B. Yeah. No, I I agree. That's what I was gonna go with. Was a B. Um. I would love to see a little bit better defensive line play on the pass rush. Um, you don't love a bull rush? Yeah, I I turned to you and I was just like, can these guys do anything other than bull rush? Like, I would love <laughs> to see a swim move, a push pull, anything. <laughs> I just I I want to see something different. Yeah. From the defensive line, um, I don't know if that's going to take time, especially with Jan Jorgensen now on the staff. Like, is it just going to take time for these guys to kind of learn this? But and I don't care if the interior defensive linemen are are bull rushing every time. I mean, you're normally getting hit by the center and a guard or, or whatever. But, like, those guys on the edge, they need to do something else. Yeah. Like, I don't think Tyler Batty necessarily has the speed to just run around on the outside.
0: Hey, he dropped into coverage, okay? Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was one of that the was, weirdest things. You and I both noticed it right away yeah. and questioned it right away. Like right. Well, what is going was, on? It was
1: one of those things where it's like, yeah, no, I know. I remember a couple of years ago seeing Corbin Kafusi all of a sudden drop into coverage and it's like, what are we doing? Isn't, isn't this supposed to be your best pass rusher? Why isn't he not yeah, rushing the pass? Right. So with that, and I, I do think there were, I think our corners played really well. I think there were some shaky moments with, with the second string safeties. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ethan Slade uh, let one go over his head big time. Um, and I don't know if it's like like playing safety, you know, the, the saying is wider than the widest, deeper than the deepest. Mm-hmm. And there was just a couple times that those guys just kind of went right by him. And I don't know that it was necessarily a speed thing or if it was, whoops, I got caught looking in the backfield. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think... I think overall, there's like there's stuff to work on, but overall, it was a it was a pretty fair showing yeah. from the defense.
0: And I, and I think that one thing that from the defense, it was basically proven like the linebackers are the best unit. Yeah, we already knew that, but oh, yeah. we saw it on Saturday as well. Oh
1: yeah, I mean between Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar, Max Tooley. I mean, ben Bywater, ben, ben Bywater, all those guys. I mean even Fisher Jackson played pretty well when he came in. I think it was Josh Wilson playing a little bit. I mean, I think the future is bright right. at, at linebacker.
0: Um, but as it stands right now, yeah, I love the way they were playing. They yeah. look great. And it's it's really funny because um, I was talking to, again, my co-host Smitty on my other podcast that it's funny to watch, like the two teams that I followed growing up were BYU because that's the team that I'm diehard loyal to and then Pitt because that's the – the hometown team from where I'm from. And their defenses, as of right now, cannot be more polar opposite (laughs) because Pitt is known for pass rush and just a stout front seven. And BYU is literally the complete opposite. We're going to drop seven, drop eight, and we're going to send three or four guys. And like we said, it's only bull rush pretty much.
1: Yeah, well, and that's where I miss – you know when Kalani first came in, he said we were going to be running a four-three defense. I, I was pretty sad, honestly. Like, I missed the the three-four defense, where you got you know your Kyle Van Noy, your Fred Warner sitting on those outside linebackers, mm-hmm. who essentially for a lot of the game all of a sudden become an edge rusher. And I mean it, it's it's what Von Miller does in the in the NFL. Yeah, he's 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 an edge rusher as an outside linebacker, yeah, essentially. And and that's that's one thing I do miss, especially just cuz Bronco understood he had a bunch of kind of oversized safeties, undersized linemen that's like, yeah, you can play linebacker and you guys are athletic and we can use this in our scheme. Now, Tuiaki wants to run a 4-3. He wants to be able to drop everyone else in coverage and just send the four. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've always been pretty vocal about it. I'm not the biggest Eliza Tuiaki fan. Right. Um, but I, I, I do think they played well enough on Saturday that, you know, I'm not calling for his head, but I'd, I'd love to see a little more creativity on defense.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's the problem with the system is that we haven't seen a lot of creativity mm-hmm. with it. And in certain games, I feel like there's a lot of, to complain about with with the defensive schematics of it. But it's like when you think about like how the defense works, I can understand why they do it that way. Sure, like the bend don't break sort of mentality, because mm-hmm. they're not they're not they'll give up the chunk play. Like they'll they'll give up like this little dunk and pass plays, but they're not gonna give up the big plays except when they do. But yep. I don't know. I I I don't really try to complain about. Uh, too yucky too much. I just try not to think about him. but the I mean the one coordinator that I am going to complain about this week is Ed Lamb. Oh yeah. Why is he even on the team anymore? Uh-huh. He took uh-huh. over the entire special teams and I think that Saturday was a great showing of why he should just not even be on the team.
1: Yeah, no. I I hate the idea of like, "Oh yeah, well we'll kick it nice and high." To about the five yard line or to the goal line, that way gives our guys time to get down there, and maybe we can stop them before they hit the twenty-five. Oldroid has the leg, just kick it through the end zone. Yeah. Honestly, just get it out. Don't worry about it.
0: And trust your defense. Yeah. To me, if you're trying to do that, that's basically saying, I don't trust my defense when we're on the twenty five. I want them to get further up. Right. And after the game, they're like, well, Ed Lamb was like, well, according to the analytics, like that's what it could work. I'm like, well, your kickoff team is not getting down there fast enough. Oldroyd was also not getting it to the 5 or the goal line. A lot right. of the times the kicks are going between the 10 and the 15. Mm-hmm. So why even bother doing it? Yeah, absolutely. I understand that Oldroyd has the back problems too. So maybe if, if they want to take something off the leg on the kickoff so he doesn't have to deal with that, then whatever. Have somebody else do the kickoffs. You have multiple yeah. kickers. right? I'm sure one of them can kick through the end zone. That's yeah. all you
1: need to do. I, I mean one hundred percent. I I don't understand after especially
0: after it burned you, why did you do it again? You did it again. You did it again. And they got to your forty two yard line.
1: Yeah. And and it's just it's one of those things that I just don't I don't understand it, especially it wasn't until after the game that I found out their returner was a consensus all American returner.
0: Oh really? Yeah. I had no idea
1: until just now. Yeah. And funny enough that's actually not the guy that returned it for a touchdown. Oh. But they kept they kept tempting fate with this guy that's just like, "Hey, we know you're like you're known for being good at this." Yeah. "Do it." <laughs> like we're just inviting him to do it. Right. And and I don't know what it was. Those guys weren't staying in their lanes. I I honestly I have no idea, but it it I think it's a it's a dumb strategy. Um I don't know what Lamb offers um anymore on staff especially because you know the whole idea was because he was over special teams full-time and then they took him like they they made him like a co-coordinator with someone else for special teams that way he could work with i think it was dbs or safeties or something like that and then this year he takes back over full-time special teams and if saturday showed anything as far as kickoff
0: this is a joke I mean, did they give up a return last year? No. No. I so to me that that says says it got worse. Yeah. So why is he here? Yep. As far as a grade goes, special teams. I mean, they made they make one or two field goals. I think Aldred uh, had two field goals. Two field goals. So for that, I'll give the grade a D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I I probably because for me. Anytime you're going to give up a kickoff return for a touchdown, I I am automatically close to grading you an F because I to me that just should never happen. Sure.
1: No, I get that. Um, I'm just double checking that it was two field goals.
0: Well, if it's two, you're
1: going to give him a C. Yep. No, it's it's two it's two field goals. <laughs> um, and I think you know the times that Rico got out there, Rico punted well. Yeah, and I can't really blame Rico on anything. I mean, he's... And that's why you know I'd probably give him. I'm probably gonna give him a a a c minus d plus kind of that gray area there yeah um and it's and it's purely because because of those two I think what's so nice is is when you send Oldroyd out there, you feel like you're gonna make it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when you send Rico out there, it's like he's got the leg he's gonna put him in a good
0: position, yeah and I, so, I don't think he's gonna muff it either,
1: right, and so I think. I think with those two, like I feel pretty confident up until we kick off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, do we want to score? Because then we have to kick off again. I mean, it was one of those things that in, in that game with how well they started returning it. It's like, just kick the ball out of bounds.
0: Yeah, I mean, you Honestly. gave it. You gave it up at your forty-two yard line after a touchdown. So you Kick it out of bounds. You it's kick it on their 40. forty. They get it. your their forty. So right. You're automatically net minus eighteen yards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there we go. Those are our
1: grades. Um, overall, I thought it was a good game. It was it was fun. Glad we didn't have to worry about it. And I'm also very glad that BYU was able to play very vanilla. They didn't have to show anything, mm-hmm. no special schemes. They were able to just go out there, play regular football, and not, not feel like they had to try something different to try to score.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the only like concern from this game I have is – what's the status of Puka going to be for this Saturday? Yeah, because both Puka and Gunner. Puka and Gunner. Just But Gunner didn't even travel with the team, so I wasn't going to bring him in this game. It's true. But Puka, I mean, I saw apparently he was cleared to come back if the coaches wanted him to. Mm-hmm. But they were just like, all right, we're just going to hold you out. But then he was like on the crutches and limping and stuff. I don't know. like, So how bad is his ankle actually?
1: Well, I, I don't know. if it, I can't remember if I told you, but if you saw Puka when he was – walking towards the locker room at the end of the first half, he couldn't hardly like I know he's in a boot, but like, he couldn't hardly well, he was getting put help any pressure on that leg. Yeah. And it was like I, I like I hate how vague BYU always is about injuries. It's like were oh, oh, yeah. they just oh, well, overselling it? Well we just don't know enough right now. We'll know more tomorrow. And it's like okay, but like, how bad is it? Because if you don't know enough, yet you guys were saying he could have gone on Saturday Shouldn't you be able to say, like, yeah, he's able to go? Yeah. like How can you not like, say that?
0: Like, was there an asterisk where it's, like, he could have gone if we could have given him a cortisone shot? Yeah. Like, if,
1: if we can if we can keep an epidural, if we can do whatever else, like, yeah, yeah. He, he could have gone.
0: Like, but I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming they weren't selling the injury by him limping to the locker room. Like, they're not going to try to hand that up.
1: Right. Well, especially, you know, he comes out of the locker room for the second half on crutches.
0: Yeah which of course I mean, even if it wasn't that serious I I would imagine if if there was a slight pain to it they'd probably do that yeah, anyway. It's like no
1: weight. let's just let's just make sure you keep off of it.
0: Yeah. But I understand he doesn't like his ankles taped. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like the the lack of flexibility in his legs. Sure. So if he play, if he can play with his ankles taped this Saturday, does he do it or does he only play with his ankles not taped or I don't I don't, I don't know what the status of it is but that's my only concern. Going from last week's game into this week, well, right. I guess that and the special teams.
1: <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting this week. I mean, it's a much bigger test in, sure. in Baylor. I mean, we're playing the four. We, we just played the former Baylor quarterback, who got beat out very early, like in spring ball, by what's his name, Blake Shapen. Blake Shapen. Yep. Yeah, and. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays versus how Gary Bohannon plays. You know, because mm-hmm. they, they leaned very heavily on the run last year in Waco. Is that going to be the case this year? Is that going to be the case there in Lavelle? Or is Blake Shapen a better quarterback? Um, I don't know. Um, I think BYU offensively should be able to keep up. I think it all leans on the defense this week. Can they stop the run? Can they defend the pass well? Um, it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be an electric atmosphere, especially a night game there in Laval Edwards Stadium. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to go. Um, you know, it's. I, I think it's the first game of the of the year is always fun, but it's it's also going to be extremely fun having the number nine team in the nation come in and and seeing how electric that place can be.
0: Yeah. I mean, it'll probably be a similar atmosphere as I would probably Utah last year. I mean, Utah for the rivalry aspect, they weren't as high ranked as Baylor, but Mm -hmm. just for what this game means this season, and I mean, even moving and looking past this season into the Big Twelve, like this is showing like, hey, we're not the team that lost in Waco last year. We're showing that we we belong with this team as well. Yeah. So I I'm really excited. I think that one thing I noticed from their game against Albany, speaking of Baylor is that, and I don't know if this is just because they were playing a team like Albany, but, like, I noticed last year how much they like to run the ball. But this this week, they were running it with so many guys. Like, mm-hmm. I think there were probably close to a dozen guys that got carries. Wow. Um, and I know, I believe it's Tay McWilliams is going to be their starting running back, or at least one of their starting running backs. I don't know if they have a couple guys that are going to be considered starters, at least on the depth chart. He's a starting running back. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they had multiple guys go have a few carries, like 9, six, two, 12, 3, 4, just carries. This is just me uh, counting out the touches. Blake Shapin 214 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, kind of status quo for what you'd expect against Albany, maybe even a little less than what you'd probably expect. Sure. But then again, I don't know what to really make of him because we haven't really seen a lot of him. We saw him in this last week's game. And then you saw him in the Big 12 championship against Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. You didn't even see him in the bowl game because they had uh, Gary Bohannon come back and play. Yep. So, I don't know what to make of him. Don't know what to make of the offense, really. Uh, I, I mean, it's the Jeff Grimes run offense. So, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a lot of passing going on. Sure. But that's, that's going to be the big test, like you said, is what is BYU's defense going to look like against the run this year? Because what was Baylor averaging like per carry last year? It wasn't it like ten to thirteen yards I don't or something. Remember. I know, something? I know I know it stupid. was a lot.
1: It was it was one of those things that you know, you could you really saw how injuries had kind of stacked up against BYU, especially on the linebacking front. Like Keenan Peely is so integral. Yeah. For BYU stopping the run, being that middle linebacker and his vision is incredible to the point that like he can see where the hole is going to be opening up for him and go in there and try to stuff it or at least take out the blocker that's leading.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why this game is so important to be played in week two as opposed to like week seven like last year. We get basically the entire team. Hopefully, Puka and Gunner can play, and if not both of them, hopefully at least one of them can play. Now, do we think that BYU can beat them without their top two receivers? I mean, this isn't South Florida. I know we're probably not going to spread out the ball like we did, but we might have to if those two aren't playing. So what do we think the offense could look like if they don't have Gunner and Puka?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. If you, did you see the, the clip on Twitter from one of the cornerbacks from I did from Baylor? Who I said, did. oh, well, you know, we, we kind of know, like we know that number three doesn't really throw around to anybody, but he'll throw it to number 12. And we and got was, something for him. Yeah, and we that's, got some of And it's like... I'm like, the only like, thing that you
0: have for him is this week's uh, health chart. Like, the history's injury report. Right. Well, and the
1: other thing, too, it's like, it's not like he's not throwing to anyone but Puka. Yeah. If if USF showed anything, he threw it to 11 other guys. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I think BYU is kind of special this year, is that you've got two to three tight ends that are great catching the ball. Um, I think Mason Wake is a great release kind of guy, like, you know, a safety valve. But both Holker and Isaac Rex have great range. Yeah. And great athleticism to be able to just get the ball. And then you've got your wide receivers in in Chase Roberts and Cody Epps. I kept thinking of Ross Oppo. I was like, geez, <laughs> why Oppo. is this in my head? But, um, Cody Epps and, and you got Keanu. I mean, you got a, a, a fair amount of guys that, like, I'm not overly worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think losing talents like Gunner or Puka, it sucks because, especially if you have, if you have Puka on the field, you could pretty well guarantee he's going to be doubled. And so it's like, okay, find the open guy. Right. You know, um, and I don't think you get that if you don't have those guys. That being said, in, in those two tight end sets, it's like what are you gonna do? You're gonna throw a, a, a slow linebacker or a small D B on these guys? Because That's true. They both have like I if there's if there's one guy I absolutely love, it's Dallin Holker. Mhm. I loved him as a freshman. I love his ability. I think he's got a great catching radius. Um and, and I, I
0: like the way he plays. Yeah, he's, he's really good. I mean, I, I think BYU definitely has a chance if those two guys don't play. Obviously, I want them to play. Yeah. But I think one of the reasons I like their chances even better uh, in the passing game this year is because of the lack of players coming back in the secondary for Baylor. Absolutely. So I actually went down and I, I went through because – I was curious about their returning production because BYU's, as everybody knows, is like first or second in the country. They're like 85% returning Mm -hmm. production. Baylor, on the other hand, there I think was 47% was the number. Okay. And I went on offense and defense and was looking at, like, okay, who was a guy, who are guys that was contributors last year that they don't have this year? And so on offense, they're missing, I mean, I, I counted Gary Bohannon. They have Blake Shapen, who also played last year, but mm-hmm. I still counted it. He still threw for 2,200 yards, 18 touchdowns. Their top two rushers, Abram Smith and Treston Ebner, mm-hmm. and then they're, they lost three wide receivers two to the NFL and one to the transfer portal. And it was their top three wide receivers. Mm-hmm. They also lost an offensive lineman. As far as defense goes, they lost their leading tackler and a linebacker. And then defensive backs, they lost five defensive backs, four to the NFL and one to transfer. And so, and in, in total, what you're trying to make up in production on the offensive side of the ball is 492 carries for 2,727 yards and 23 touchdowns, and then 180 receptions for 2,247 yards and 15 receiving touchdowns. Mm-hmm. On the defensive side of the ball, you're trying to make up 319 tackles, 38 tackles for loss, 13 sacks, 4 forced fumbles, 5 fumble recoveries, 10 interceptions, and 24 pass breakups. So basically their entire secondary is gone. Yeah. So that gives me a more of a a sigh of relief, at least on the surface, going into this game for how I think that BYU's receivers will do if Puka and Gunner are not able to go. Because I, I think that if they had a lot of guys coming back with experience, that would be a problem. But their entire secondary is a bunch of sophomores mm-hmm. that haven't really played that much. They had multi—they had three draft picks among their secondary last year, so they're missing that talent. So I think that that is something that is going to make me feel better going into this game because last week, yeah, they they won what sixty-two to ten or sixty-nine to ten against Albany. Whatever, they should win that big against Albany. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really speak to me about how they are as a team yet. I know they're the number nine team, but what are they gonna look like come Saturday? Sure.
1: And you know, everyone's high on Blake Shapin. Um and he beat out Gary Bohan who led them to a a big twelve championship, you know, and and I think I I I think that like we don't know what to expect from him because we didn't see him as much. But I think as far as offensive offense goes, if their receivers can get open, he'll get them the ball. Um, but I didn't know that they had that much attrition as far as between going to the NFL or going to the transfer portal. Uh,
0: that's, oh, yeah. That's crazy to me. Like, like I, I was shocked, too, because I was like, yeah. okay, their starting quarterback from last year, their two top rushers, their three top receivers, their entire secondary, and their leading tackler. Yeah, that's That's pretty nuts. I
1: mean, that's and that's something that could, especially playing week two, like that's something that could play huge into BYU's
0: hands with. And as far as Blake Shaving goes, I know he played in the Big 12 championship, and don't get me wrong, that was probably a very electric atmosphere. But I feel like this is going to be his first true road game that he's going to have this much energy in the stadium. Right,
1: well, it's an electric atmosphere,
0: but it's a neutral site. That's what I mean. It's like 50-50. This isn't a neutral site like BYU is going to have against in Notre Dame and Vegas or where we only have 25% of the tickets. Yeah, no, that's, that's No, not they have 50-50 the in the Big 12 Championship. Like BYU, this is a true road game for Blake Shapin, and he's never really experienced that as a starter yet. Well,
1: and the 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 crowd had like has learned how influential they can be, especially after that Arizona State game last year. Yeah, forcing that many false starts. Like you, you've shown that like it truly is a twelfth man mentality that can show up. Mm-hmm. Now I hope it shows up. That's the big thing for me. This being the first game I think is huge. Um and, and with how, how many people are returning and how well BYU played in week one, I I'm I'm excited to see what kind of atmosphere is there. I think the rock's gonna be bumping. I think I I think it's gonna be an entertaining game.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think so, too.
1: Like, I, I, I don't think... I mean, the last time... I think the last time BYU beat a top 10 team in Provo was in 1990.
0: It was. Against Miami. Mm-hmm. And this will be the sixth time ever if they do it.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I also, you know, I looked up I looked up uh, BYU's all-time record against Baylor. They're 1-2. They lost in 83, won in 84, lost last year. Um, and so I think it, this could be possibly the most fun game to go to this year in LaBelle Edwards stadium.
0: Oh, I think for sure. Possibly, I
1: mean, possibly in the entire schedule, honestly, it, it could be, I, I mean, mean, I, don't, I think I don't... Notre Dame would be, would be higher on that list if it was a 50, 50, but the fact yeah. that this counts as a Notre Dame home game is just like, oof, well. No, it's, it's probably like at that not going to as...
0: I'd rather just get the money. <laughs> Give me a different opponent. Right, absolutely. But yeah, I, I think that BYU fans probably really need to l- take a look at this game and realize like this is probably one of the bigger games in the history of BYU, especially in Provo, the number mm-hmm. nine team in Provo. Yep. If you beat them, like I said, that will be the the first time since 1990, and the second or the sixth time all time anywhere that you've beat a top 10 team. Mm-hmm. The others came in 1984 where they beat number three, Pitt, 1985, when they beat number four, air force, 1990, they beat Miami, who was number one. And then Oklahoma in 2009, they were number three. And then Wisconsin was were they number six in 2018. I think they were number I six. I think so. Yeah. they were either six or eight. One of those yeah. two. So it's a big deal. Like, oh, it, yeah. like, I don't want people to like overlook this game, just thinking like it's a big deal because, like, BYU should win. Like, this is a big deal having a top ten team in Provo.
1: Yeah, well, I I'm honestly I am shocked that game day didn't come to
0: Provo. Yeah, they. I mean, I mean, I, I, I knew get, they weren't.
1: Like, sure. It's, I mean, you kind of always know, but like, they're going to Alabama, Texas, which I get it to nationally national brands. But honestly, if Alabama doesn't wipe them out, like, and I don't, you know, it's not going to be fifty-five nothing like Utah State, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, forty-two to seven.
0: Yeah, I mean, Taysom did it. Why can't Alabama? Right. So I, I'm. I'm pro- I can promise you, Texas is not back. I don't care what Quinn Ewers did in Week One. Like Texas isn't back. They're right. gonna get blown out. Sure. So. I mean, I'm with you. I, I wish they would have came to the College Game Day. Would have come to Provo. I think the this game has, I mean, not necessarily bigger implications because I mean, if Alabama loses, then that's a huge thing. But I just feel like this is a more exciting game as yeah. a whole. Like when you look at the Texas game with Alabama, I don't find that exciting. I find that it's like, oh, Alabama's just going to blow out Texas. Yep. This game, I feel like on a national scale, could be exciting to people. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um I'm excited for this week. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the first
0: game of no matter who they were playing, I was going to be excited. Yeah. But the fact that it's number 9 Baylor, that makes it even better. Right, we didn't do this last
1: week, but I want to get your score prediction. What do you think's going to happen? Because we both We both we said, we both said, that's said that's gonna this is going to be a win.
0: Right. So, what's your what's your score prediction here? I'm going to say 38 to 31 BYU. Okay. So I think it, it – I don't know a way that this game is not going to be a little bit more high-scoring. I mean, it's a Big 12 opponent, so naturally it has to be a high-scoring game. BYU is a future Big 12 opponent. And plus, we saw what they could BYU could do to the defense last year. Now, like I said, they lost a lot of production on the offense and the defense. But I feel like as a Power 5 program, as a top Power 5 program in the Big 12 – they're going to have enough people to be able to make that up and keep the game a very close game. But I, I do think that BYU comes out on top. So, yeah, 38-31. to 31. That seems like a good score to me.
1: Okay. I'm going to go with a – I think I'm going to go 34-31. Okay. Um, I was listening to Give Him Hell Brigham. Uh, they had a, a quick special with Jake Oldroyd. He was talking about how the only game-winning field goal that he's had – like you know 3 seconds left on the clock kicking it yeah. was 2016 against Arizona yeah i get a feeling he might mean he he might be called upon here hey that would be great you know if if we're tied at 31 with with 4 seconds left and he's got to bang in a 42 yarder like i i i don't know i don't know if that's actually going to happen um, i'm also wary because the last time I at least last time I remember a top ten team coming in with this much hype behind it was BYU against TCU,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and TCU just came into Provo and just laid the
0: wood. Right. I mean, it was it was pretty rough. Yeah, but that was Mountain West BYU. Okay, yeah, yeah, where yeah. they totally, couldn't they couldn't beat TCU totally if they different. they wanted to save their lives. Okay, totally different.
1: Yeah. When was that? Was that two thousand nine? Uh yeah. Yeah. Um and so I I'm I'm really hoping we don't have a repeat of that. I think emotionally I'm preparing for a repeat of that just because I can't. I I I if I go in thinking like 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 just feeling like it's going to be this close game and just like expecting that and then Baylor comes out and just wipes him out, yeah, that's going to be devastating to me.
0: I think I'm going to have the same attitude that I have for Basically any Utah game prior to last year. I mean, even last year, going into it, that I had. I'm thinking we're gonna lose. I'd like it if we win, but I'm gonna expect that we're gonna lose this game. Yeah.
1: That way, I don't lose my mind later tonight. Exactly. Yeah. And and so yeah, I think, I think that 34-31, um, Oldred kicking a game winner. Um, I think that could, that could be what we end up with here. So.
0: Yeah. All right. Last question is. Uh-oh. If BYU wins, do the fans rush the field? I
1: I think it all depends on how. True. If BYU somehow goes in and just you know, thirty-eight to ten, wipes if them out. If they Texas them. Yeah, it's like no, don't don't, don't rush, rush the, field. the field. There's no point to that. Yeah. Emotional wins like that, especially over a number nine team. I have no problem with you rushing the field.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely, get out there, have fun. Yeah,
0: physical, competitive game. I mean, no problem with
1: it. Yeah, I was in in 2015. I was there when BYU beat Nebraska, and I ended up on the field. Oh, really? In Nebraska? I didn't know that. I was on the field
0: at the end of the game.
1: Like I stood right where Mitch Matthews caught the ball. Right. And it's just it's it's those high emotion games. Now. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk this back a little bit. When BYU beat Mississippi State in overtime a few years back, not a huge fan of rushing the field then.
0: Yeah, I mean it depends on also like caliber of opponent, how it's happening, whether you should have beat them. Yeah, like s- certain things like that.
1: Yeah, I think that USC game in 2019 absolutely justified rush right. the, the field. USC was, I mean, it's not like they turned out to be any good.
0: Yeah, but, but I mean, at the time, they were ranked. Right, they were
1: ranked. And it's USC. Were highly touted. It was USC. This Baylor game, highly touted Baylor team, number nine in the nation. Defending yeah. Big 12 if you, champs. If you win this in a close game, absolutely. Now, I don't think it's worth it. I mean, even if it's like a 10-point win, if it's something where you get to the end of the game and it's not
0: a one-score game, don't rush the field. Right. There's no reason to. Yeah, but if it's like you said and it's a walk-off field goal, Right by all means, absolutely. Go mall go Muldroid. G- just without, keep his back with, safe. Yeah, without without hurting him. <laughs> but yeah,
1: absolutely. Why not?
0: All right. Well, kickoff will be at eight fifteen at Lavello Stadiums Mountain Time. By the way, ten fifteen Eastern Time for all my family that's listening to this. Um, but I'm excited. It's going to be great. BYU is a three and a half point favorite right now. Still blows is, my mind. That yeah, they, I mean, that I know they... they give you three. For being the home team, but you're giving them three and them giving well, them the extra half. You're basically
1: saying that this is a this is an even game.
0: Yeah. If this was neutral site, it would be an even an even spread. Makes it even more exciting for me. But
1: yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be electric. I'm looking forward to it. And and yeah, I, I think I think it's it's this is going to be the a, a potential. I mean, this is this is your benchmark for the Big Twelve.
0: For sure. For sure. But. All right, I think that's it from us. So thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's Sports Weekly from Austin and Tyler. Uh, We'll be with you after BYU plays Baylor on Saturday. Looking forward to another weekend of college football. That's right. All right, catch you guys next week.